This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Justin Hartwig, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. This is Two-Tone Uncensored, back after a win. Got a lot to talk about. I'm your host, Ryan Moreland. With me, as always, the man who is coming off IR this week to join us, Matt Necrone. What's up, Matt? Rub some dirt on it, kid. (laughs) Good answer. And... I'm going to have to dog you a little bit. The man who picked Detroit to win this week in our pick Glenn Lonsenheiser. What's up with that? You can dog me all you want, but we were lucky to win. More importantly, you just dropped the ball because the whole reason Matt is all jacked up is he he's recovering from a terrible cornhole accident. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's a good one. But I think it's like well established that Matt's a grounder. We well, have... that's why he was out cornholing. <laughs> we have uh, right, a lot to talk it. about here, especially after uh, the big win. We're going to get into that, but first, as always, let's do the mailbag. First question sent in was from Tyler Musson. He asks, what needs to happen in order for us to have success on offense in the first three quarters? Glenn, would you like to take this one, sir? I would. What needs to happen is people need to get fucking patient. That's what needs to happen. Look, you know, this is a uh, a young offense. They're still learning what they're doing. The the way that this team is built, you know, the ground and pound thing, we're, we're going to wear people down for three quarters. The fourth quarter, supposedly we're going to be able to overpower them and then drive down the field and do whatever we want. It's an ugly way to win, but we don't have an explosive offense yet. You know, the preseason was a preseason. Don't don't expect 35 points every week. And the Lions were an okay team, so you weren't going to just blow them out. Uh, I would like to see some better play calling. I would like them to spread the field a little bit more and get our running backs some more running lanes, that kind of thing. But the the team is young. They're still learning this offense, like it or not. Now, this, this is going to be a growing process this season. Eventually, we're going to start putting up some points on some people, but it's just going to take time. Just relax. Yeah, that's one thing I noticed that you know when when we have time, we can actually uh, complete passes and, and you know, get the offense moving. Mariota looked like he regressed a lot during the first half of this game. Um, I actually made that comment, and in no way was I calling for Matt Castle, you know. But uh, if yes, he doesn't have yeah, right. If he doesn't have time to to you know get his reads and essentially let the play um, develop, you know we're not going to get anywhere with it. We did do um, Demarco Murray. You know he had he had one big run, which I was very very excited to see. That that definitely changed the the momentum at that point. But I think that honestly, if if we can get some time with our own line, if they can gel properly and actually get Mario to time to develop a play, I think we can, you know, gradually get better and better. But, I mean, 
he didn't he didn't get hot until the fourth quarter, and we definitely got to move faster than that moving forward. Yeah, we haven't been having a lot of success um, in the first quarter. You know, especially in this last game, we saw really. I mean, we didn't do much at all until the second half, and that's when we started to to catch fire. And that last drive that we had was uh, just fantastic, especially on Mariota's part. But there has to be something. We have to be able to get the ball in our playmakers' hands, which I like that we got um, Walker involved pretty early in the passing game. We didn't see a whole lot of Tajay Sharp in this game as compared to the first game. Uh, I'd like to see him worked in a little bit more because of his playmaking ability, because of what he can do um, with the ball in his hands. Obviously, a big part of that is Kendall Wright. And, you know, if we can get him healthy and get him in, because of what he can do with the ball in his hands after the catch, you know, he's such a huge playmaker and it really scares defenses, and you really have to game plan for a guy like him because of how he can just turn an 8-yard catch into an 80-yard touchdown. I think that's going to help a lot for us, but we need to come up with some some um, some plays, some bigger plays. I like that we smashed the ball. I like that we how we ran the ball this week, ran it more than we did last week um, based on how many snaps we took, but we need to take shots every now and again earlier in games we need to try to move the ball and I'm not saying that we have to throw deep deep passes because I don't think Mariota is going to complete a lot of those but you know swing out on a bootleg earlier and try to get the ball over the middle of the field you know mid-range shot to Delaney Walker cut the field in bigger chunks I think that would help out a lot because it's really hard to sustain a drive against anybody when you're doing it at three yards a clip you know it's really really hard to keep that going the entire time and not end up having to punt or kick a field goal at some point. Um, but we were. I mean, we were a completely different team at towards the end of that game as we were in the beginning, and something definitely has to happen. Next question sent in by Morocco Taylor, and he asks, does Marcus Mariota suck, or is this typical for a second-year quarterback? <laughs> He really asked that. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he it's did. totally a loaded question. I think this is more of a, a shot at all the fans talking about trading him and you know cutting him and all that other crap. And you know Ryan calling for Matt Castle in the first quarter. You know it, it's it's exactly it's purely a, a a situation of he's a young player. He hasn't played a full season yet. He did only play twelve games last year, so this is his fourteenth game. He, he felt like he took a lot of blame, which. You know, he earned some of it for the loss last week. So, like Ryan said, he was pressing early. Uh, one of the things we're going to have to wait on is we're going to have to wait on to have some receivers you can get open regularly. I was watching some of the coaches' film uh, when I had chances today. I didn't get to see it all again yet, you know, for my second watch through. But the receivers have to get open, and he's a little too quick to dump down to some of the guys. And there were times where he had plenty of time. He just his receivers didn't beat the defenders, so there wasn't anywhere to go with the ball. I liked it when they went with that empty set, uh, and then you know they, they, it spread out the field a little bit. And they still weren't all the way out. You know uh, this oper- this offense is operating a lot in between the hash marks, and then they're kind of trying to. And I think the idea is to suck the defense in, so when the guys get a chance to do an out they'll get the ball out there and have some room to run with, but it, it makes for really congested passing lanes right now. It, it just relax. He, he is definitely, 
in his second year, but he hasn't played a full season yet. And he's learning a new offense that, from the looks of it, is pretty complex. Um, I don't know that they've even put all the offense in yet, to be honest. They're waiting for Kendall Wright to get back so that they can start running some more wide receiver screens and crap like that that I absolutely hate. But, you know, we'll see what happens with it. I think the screens are actually going to help Mario to um, progress because, honestly, it's little dinker plays like that that, um, like, if you noticed last week when we started using Murray, Murray is was pretty much the tone setter on the offense. When we got him going, that's when other things opened up. You started with Murray. Mariota got more comfortable. You saw Delaney get the ball a few times wide open. Um, those are his security blankets, those two guys alone. If we can start getting um, Kendall right into the picture with little screen. I, I'm not a big screen guy myself, but I think in this offense it will work. And it's all about getting Marcus comfortable. I know it's his second year. He hasn't played a full system, uh, full season in, the, in, a, in a new system also. But I think getting him comfortable early is the biggest thing because, like we saw with him go with that, um, I believe it was a deep ball to maybe Matthews. I forget when, when Quinn picked him off there. It was a horrible decision to make that pass. He wasn't comfortable. But at the same time, it was something that we needed to try. It was just a poor read. Um, we got to start off basic, and I think once we get the ball rolling with guys like DeMarco you know, taking the load on his shoulders, I think everything else is going to open up for the other guys. Yeah, to answer this, um, and I included it knowing that Morocco sent in this question uh, you know, as a joke to us, get us talking about all the crazy fans out there that were calling for Matt Castle. But I think he's completely atypical for a guy in his second year. I mean, Mariota looks very impressive for how young he is, especially given the talent that's around him. Like you have to keep in mind, this is a below-average wide receiving core with a below-average offensive line and good running backs. And he's got good running backs. He's got a good tight end. Everything else he's working with is below the NFL average. So what he's able to do with it, I- I'm impressed with. He looked pretty good in this game. He outshined Matthew Stafford, who's a guy that is uh, a veteran and a very good quarterback. You know, he looked. Better had a better QBR, better quarterback rating. Um, you know, threw two touchdowns to Matt to um, Matt Stafford's one. He, I liked the way he looked. He was impressive to me in this game. Made some great passes, especially. I mean, you look at that last drive, ten for ten down the field, and that pass that he threw to Andre Johnson. If it was an inch either any direction, it's not a, a catchable ball. He, you couldn't have thrown that any better than he did. It was just an absolute. I mean, he threaded the needle, and luckily on the other end of that, he had uh, a future Hall of Famer catching the ball that reached up there and snagged it out of the air. It was uh, an absolutely great play. I'm impressed. Like I know that people are down on him, and it's not it's not an explosive offense, but considering what he's playing around and how much time he has in the pocket on a lot of these plays, I think he's playing uh, you know downright phenomenal. You know, you saw him in this game. The the Lions use a lot of speed, and we have trouble with speed off of the edges with this offensive line. Uh, as much as I do like Conklin, he is not a good lateral mover, and you know that's something that we knew when we drafted him. Uh, so he he has trouble with speed off of the edge for sure. Lawan can get caught up in it sometimes if the guy gives a good fake inside. It seems like Lawan can't get his feet back under him to get back to the outside, and when you have that, it makes it really hard for him to extend plays outside, to get out on the, the 
um, get outside of the pocket and extend the play. Plus, they did a, a fantastic job of spying him and not letting him run the ball in this game, too. And that really limits what he was able to do. But he still, like, he stood in the pocket. He made one really bad decision in that interception on a really long pass. Besides that, he looked, you know, pretty great to me. I mean, he threw the ball pretty uh, pretty awesome. Um, uh, completion percentage, uh, you know, I was impressed with what Marcus Mariota, Marcus Mariota did in this game. I don't understand why everybody was freaking out. And even at the end of the first it wasn't impressive by no means, but you know, given the defense that we we're facing, given what we were seeing, and given the talent level around him, I was still like, you know, he's not playing terrible. Uh, you know, he's not playing good, but he's not playing terrible. And then I think he obviously played excellent as the game wore on. The last question here, Ike Love sends in, and his question was, "Is our offensive coordinator bad?" But I want to rephrase it a little bit. Is how bad do you think our play calling is, and how much of it do you put on our offensive coordinator? Look, Marcus had a 102.8 quarterback rating. What the hell do you want from a second-year player? I mean, if that doesn't cut it, what are you looking for? Do you not remember Jake Locker and Zach Mettenberger? Do we, have we completely already forgotten all these other players that have come through here and not been able to play quarterback at all? Dude, I, I actually saw somebody say that Locker was better than Mariota this week. I know. I, I saw that bullshit, too. It, it's driving me insane. Uh, I just, I, I'm just, i really glad that I didn't have the game live locally, so I had to wait and watch it later because I was able to avoid a lot of that stuff. But going back and reading it today, I just wanted to choke people and just start banning people from discussion groups. It just <laughs> the, the, the inability to think about what the hell you're saying is just amazing to me. They're, they're living and dying on every single play, and it just doesn't work that way in the NFL. Yeah, Tom Brady makes bad passes sometimes. He just has Rob Gronkowski on the other end catching it. Yeah. Dude, uh, to, your, to your point, though, real quick, man, this is the first time, and I've never really paid close attention to it, when, I, when I'm watching the Titans, I get a little stressed, obviously, for, for good reason, but... I'm watching the game, like, the first thing I read is just a bunch of negative shit that, like, I don't really want to see. I literally had to just put everything down. I, I literally signed out of Facebook so I'd stop getting notifications on my phone. Like, it, 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 this shit gets a little too much at times. And, and it was the first time where I literally had to be like, okay, I'm, I'm stepping away for a minute. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, we, we want to be on our on our two-tone uncensored Facebook page and kind of comment as things go on there and engage in a conversation. But when the comments coming back at you are just asinine, it's like I, I start to wonder if these are Titans fans or if they're just people trolling us from other fan bases. It, it, it's really painful. The, the the thing is, it's the the play calling. It's a little they get a little too fancy with it for my taste. But that's just it's what they do. It's the system. I, like I said, I expect to see more of it when Kendall Wright comes back. What I'd really like to see is more Andre Johnson. I'd like to see what he's really got left in the tank. Um, he said it himself. He's getting used to not being an every-down player. He's at that stage of his career. But you saw that catch. He can do that. Uh, put him out there. Try to get some mismatches. Put him on a linebacker. Get him on a safety. Throw him the damn ball. Um, and that, if, if you can get that matchup with Andre Johnson, you have to throw the ball there and just see what he does with it. I'd like them to really you know, stress that out one of these games here before uh, Kendall Wright gets back. And you know, if, if you've got Delaney Walker and Kendall Wright – you should be able to find somewhere to throw the ball, some kind of a mismatch somewhere. you know. And if people are focused on them, Taze Sharp 
you know, should it end up being open somewhere? There's opportunities there. I liked it later in the game. Like that last drive, they just started playing numbers football. You know, they, they put the number of guys on the field, and then they just, you know, they took what the defense gave them, but, you know, they spread it out, and if they move with this guy here, okay, it's man, we're going to play this. If it's, you know, they stack the box, we're not going to run it, we're going to do this instead. There was a lot of we're going to try to do what we do that first quarter that was kind of rough to watch. And it's not the play calling is so bad, but these are young guys trying to execute a looks like a fairly complicated system. And Marcus was definitely pressing, just trying to play better. But a big part of his not running to me looked like it was that cramping thing. He didn't seem to run a whole lot later on the game after we saw him on the sidelines getting his legs rubbed and you know chugging Gatorade, trying to rehydrate. And that's on him. I blame him entirely for getting to that state. You're in an indoor stadium. You know you're on the road. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to hydrate yourself properly first. I don't really want Zach Meckenberger back because Marcus Mariota didn't hydrate well enough before the game. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll agree with a lot of what you said here. And to add to it, another point is <clears throat> to the play calling, and it seemed like it got so much better, but it really they were running similar plays. It's not like we were a completely different offense. Um, what happened was, and I think you guys will agree with this, is the offensive line really gelled in that, especially at the end of the game. And the you were seeing Marcus get three second, you know, two and a half second at time in the pocket in that first quarter, and he was in a lounge chair in that last drive. That is when Conklin, the first time that I've seen Conklin really impressed me he's impressed me he's uh, every now and again I see like glimpses where I'm like wow that's that's slick but to put a drive together like he did in that last drive and go back and watch how he played I mean he that that impressed me I was that's the first time that I was like all right Matt might be right maybe it's okay that we passed on Tunsil uh (laughs) he looked he looked good in that last drive and the the unit as a whole really got better as the, the game wore on and you know what? A lot of it probably has to do with us just pounding that football and wearing out that defensive line, and then giving that offensive line a chance to, you know, to get a, a guys that are a little bit um, worn out and really take advantage of that. But I mean, there, I think that had a lot to do with it. It was—I don't think the play calling is terrible. It's a little gadgety, like like Glenn said, a little too cute at times. But you know, if we get the blocking up front that we need, if we get that and then we can do a lot with it. You know, if you block well, you, you can do a hundred different things. There's a reason why Dak Prescott, you know, looks as good as he does right now, and that's because he has the best offensive line in the league in front of him. That's it, Once we keep building towards that, and Conklin just keeps – he's played a lot better in this game than he did the game before, and I think you're going to see that continue. And um, obviously coming in as a rookie, it's a big adjustment, but – that last drive, I'm telling you, I mean, as much as Marcus Mariota impressed me that last drive, it, it, I think Conklin's second on my list is on, as impressive players on that last drive, he, right on Marcus Mariota, because he was just downright, he was just an animal, and, and really playing good. There was at one point where he um, blocked uh, the inside, and then there was a blitzer coming around the outside on a late blitz. And he popped outside, and was I mean it was just fluid. It was it was sexy, and sexy maybe not to everybody. I know Glenn will find it sexy because he likes those big guys. 
But, I mean, it was it was impressive. I, I know I've talked about it enough here. I was just really impressed the way he played. And the offensive line as a whole. It got better as the game wore on, and that's why we got better on offense as the game wore on. But... Hey, well, don't, hey, don't don't discriminate. Glenn Glenn likes little guys too. Don't discriminate. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's well established. Sexy. I think it's well established that Glenn <laughs> hates little guys. And, this know, is he probably talks true. about how he hates little cornerbacks, how he hates little wide receivers. I think it's well established that Glenn likes the big boys. I, I really do like the big boys. Now, one thing <laughs> I do want to remember, remind everybody is let, let's not forget that the, one of the reasons we looked so good in the last drive is that the Lions were beat to death. For the whole game, yeah. they, they they were missing. They were down to two linebackers. They're playing a defensive end at linebacker. And what what pissed me off so much wasn't how good the last drive was. It's how bad the drive before that was. That was the play. That was the spot where I was pissed off at the coaching staff and the play calling because they got cute. Like, OK, you've got two linebackers left. These guys have been playing the whole game. They can't get a break. And now they've got to have another. They got to have a defensive lineman come out there who's just an assignment nightmare for that defense because you should be challenging that guy. You should be make that guy make the play. I mean, if, if you've got a defensive end out there standing up trying to play linebacker, you run at him. You throw at him. You, that's the weakness in the defense. You go after that guy. And they did it the last drive, but the second to last drive, they were, they came out, they threw the ball a bunch. of like, oh, well, they've, they've got five defensive linemen on the field. They've got four defensive linemen, and they've got a defensive lineman standing up over here out of position who doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah, you, you you have to go take advantage of that. And I was almost certain we had lost the game when they just threw the ball, ran out real quick, and gave the ball back to the Lions just because they weren't taking advantage of the one thing they had done where they had worn down the defense to the point that they didn't even have all their players available anymore, and they were playing out of position. When that happens, you have to take advantage of it, and they didn't. It, it had me really upset. I almost felt like one of these other guys on, you know, the Facebook group here. I, <laughs> yeah. I what did you guys? I me- I messaged Matt during the game, and I was like, pretty soon they're not going to have enough guys to field a team, man. Like, let's just keep doing this. It's taking lines off, and they'll have to field a ten-man offense. Yeah, and at that point, we gave him a break, and we stopped power running the ball at him. Why would you do that? What did you guys think about the the uh, the refs and their their calls? They were brutal on both sides. Um, they they took back three touchdowns from the Lions. One of them, yeah. I, I think, that was in, in a row. <laughs> yeah, it just it was like wow, you're just not gonna let them score, are you? Let's start walking backwards down the damn field, you know. And you know there was that fumble that was clearly a fumble that they blew the whistle too early. You know, yep. not only was his forward momentum not stopped, he was. He was still running forward. He was bouncing sideways. You can't stop forward momentum from behind the guy. It doesn't work that way. You know, so that was that was a terrible call. The Taze Sharp uh, crackback block, that was crap. Yeah. But both teams were playing really chip. You saw it early on. I mean, it's like the third play of the game, one of the Lions players was throwing one of our players down to the uh, ground after the whistle. You kind of knew what kind of game you were in for at that point. Guys were pushing and shoving. It was going to be an ugly game. I heard uh, Delaney Walker earlier say that they had scouted this officiating crew and they knew they were going to have a lot of penalties before they even went into the game. Yeah, it was insane. Like, a lot of these penalties, and you mentioned it, like, I got a unique experience, I think, than a lot of the Tennessee Titans fans because my girlfriend is a Lions fan. So I got to watch this with a Lions fan, and you're sitting there, and and the Tajay penalty happens. And, I mean, that's that might be top ten worst calls I've ever seen in my entire life. 
Uh, I don't know how you hit call a crackback on a guy that hits another guy in the chest, but uh, you know that call, and I was just like, "Oh my god, come on!" And she was laughing at me, and then, it, but it was just as bad on the other side too. I'm not calling it was it was unfairly fair because both sides got some crap calls, and like that Eric Ebron touchdown, like there was not a push off yeah. there, and that was a touchdown, and. And luckily for us, we got the call. But there was, I mean, that was a very poorly officiated game, uh, to say the least. Nothing, Matt? You cut out. I didn't get to hear that. (laughs) He was saying how bad the officiating was on both sides. I heard. I just didn't get to hear him finish. It cut out for like four seconds. That's why I didn't say it. I don't like to interrupt you guys. It was bad all the way around the board. But, man, I mean... In a game like that, one thing I noticed was Bryce McCain was getting called left and right, and I'm glad he didn't cost us the game. And for for as many bad plays as Parrish Cox had, how ironic is it that he sealed the deal for us? And it was a crazy game. Yeah, that was win. definitely a saving grace. <laughs> yeah, ugliest win I think I've ever watched. That's what I was commenting during the game, uh, but he was unable to. So I'm writing on the on the. TTU, uh, you know, page on Facebook while the game comes on, and uh, a couple times I mentioned, like at one point I think I said, you know, Parrish Cox needs to find his way to the bench, um, and I was ragging on him for a while, and then he makes that interception at the end, and I believe I wrote something like, uh, "I forgive you for everything, Parrish Cox," or "I take back everything yeah. that I said." I take back everything. Yeah. Yeah, he was horrible. Let's not forget my boy Riggs on that special teams play. Yes, yeah, so your boy Riggs had one play. All right, great. Hey, We're done talking whatever. about it. Yeah, I was about Wouldn't to say, it? don't have to apologize for the interception. That didn't happen. <laughs> whatever. Win's a win. He was on the field. It works. There you go. Man, I don't care how it comes as long as we win, but I hope we don't have too many more that look like that. Hey, Brock Osweiler's a Super Bowl champion. So, But that's all I have for the mailbag. Let's head into the news here, Anchorman Glenn. Yeah, the news is I'm just going to touch on a couple injuries real quick. Hey, can uh, we drop this Anchorman bullshit? <laughs> Please. Bullshit! Anyway, uh, Warback tore a tendon in his right hand before the game. Um, I don't know how many people saw it. Um, he was over there getting some treatment before the game. and He, he played like he had a torn finger. Uh, he, he didn't play uh, nearly one of his best games. He's probably going to have to have surgery and miss some time, which – you know, all of a sudden it makes that Klein signing that everybody was so upset about a pretty good deal. Uh, you got to have somebody to start out there. I don't know what who will end up taking it. It could be uh, Swanky. It could be uh, Klein. They might even move Kelly over there. I don't know what they're going to do with it. But odds are we're going to miss Chance Warmack, and we will actually end up missing him because he is one of the veterans on that line. Yeah, that's – I mean, those are, uh, it's a big loss if we end up losing him. Hopefully, I've heard some people say, uh, talk about him just uh, putting up a club and playing with a clubbed hand on one side, which, I mean, it can work, but that's still, I mean, how, how bad is that going to uh, degenerate his ability to block? That's something that you're going to have to look for. You do not want him out there blocking if he can't get, you know, his hands where they need to be. Uh, yeah, but that Klein is might be the guy that steps up here um, and takes that spot, which would make that you know feel a lot uh, that signing feel a lot better for sure. Was all that rustling, Matt passing out? No, I can't. You're breaking up like more often than not anymore. 
I'll say about chances, man. I think that if uh, he'll probably have the attitude that he wants to go out there, maybe with with the club and uh, just see what he can do. Because I have a feeling that if he doesn't come back out um, and and play great for the rest of the year, it's the last last year we're going to see chance. And to be honest with you, I know he was a you know way too high of a pick anyway, but um, nothing against the kid personally. But I don't think he's lived up to it, and this is probably the last time we see chance. My whole deal with living up to something like that, you know, that, that's for the fans to worry about. You know, th- them living up to their draft position, it's on the team where they drafted them. And, and yeah, we, we hold people, you know, accountable. Like, you were drafted second overall. Why aren't you a superstar already, Marcus Mariota? You know, like, you should have won the Super Bowl twice already, and this is only your second year. It's, it's not his fault he was drafted that high. He was drafted too high by who? Rustin Webster. Exactly. That's Godfather. So, so let's not go cutting his balls off for that. But at the same that, time, he hasn't really impressed us. He, he's left that spot open for somebody else to be brought in and take it from him. Just it didn't happen this offseason. What are you What are you doing over there? It's like someone's opening like a case of something. Like maybe a <laughs> tool case or a gun case. So someone would give themselves. Shut up, Glenn. None of your business. Okay. uh, The only other thing I bothered to really write down right now, um, Jay Cutler, uh, he went so fast you thought I'd drafted him as a starting quarterback for my fantasy team. The uh, Bears quarterback has a ligament damage in his uh, thumb and his throwing hand. He could end up missing extended time, probably will. I don't know if he'll still be out by November 27th, but that could be good for us when we get there. Yeah, that would be – I mean, it would be good for us if he doesn't play. I mean, you can say what you want about Jay Cutler, but he has to be better. I don't even know who they have as their backup. Um, but that has to be a better option than facing Jay Cutler. Like yeah. Probably not one of the McCowns. Luke's, Luke's gone and – what's his face? What's his name? Um, Josh. Josh is a brown. Is Josh out? Is Josh out also? Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. You got to feel bad for that guy. I mean, that you, you come in there as a coach, and you lose your quarterback week one. You lose your second quarterback week two. Now you got your third string guy week three, and you're just praying he can stay standing. Hey, actually, it's well, it's Cody Kessler from USC, rookie. Woo! Uh, you know who his backup is at this point? Me, Terrell Pryor. Oh, there you go. That might be <laughs> exciting to watch. I know. That's what I'm saying. That could get, get, get people's attention. Yep. Hey man, the more wins the Browns get, uh, the better chance we got with the Rams getting that number one pick. Uh, agreed. Yeah, I would like the Rams. I mean, the Browns to make the Super Bowl. Go Browns! I'm completely lying there. I don't want to make the damn Super Bowl. But if they got to the playoffs, <laughs> it wouldn't hurt my feelings any. No. All right. <laughs> Anything to make our pick better. All right, that's all you got for the news. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come back, talk more about this Lions game, and get you ready for. The Raiders matchup happening the, the, this upcoming Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Time to pay the bills. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads and we'll get right back to the show.
Hey, this is Ryan and Rich from the Free Parking Show. Our show is a sports podcast hosted by four sports journalists and features shows like Beers and Cheers, Par for Discourse, and our NFL preview, the 32-team parking garage. Check us out on Stitcher, Spreaker, and our website, www.freeparking.com. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. All right, and we're back from the commercial break. Let's jump into this Lions game here. Let's start with what we did on the offensive side of the football. Obviously, we talked about this earlier. You know, it was a rough start, and then it got better as the game went on. What did you see uh, when we had the ball in this game? Uh, one of the things I saw is that uh, Ezekiel Anza is way too fast for Taylor Lewin. Or Lewin. He just cannot handle that guy. Um, that's probably going to be Lewin. Low one. There we go. You know, I have a big-ass Chinese cleaver in my hand right now. I got one arm. Let's do this. All right. <laughs> Why's it got to be Chinese? Because it's uh, <laughs> Chinese. It's got Chinese labels and shit on it. How do you know it's not Japanese? You you, you speak Chinese? Eh? No, but the, the company's uh, from China. It was actually made in uh, Maine, so yeah, there you go. Korea? So right, it's Mayonnaise. 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 Whatever. Okay, anyway. Um. Zeke is way too fast. Uh, the linebackers at the beginning of the game were really flying around. I think that's part of their problem is that they were putting out too much effort. And uh, when you have that short of a bench, as far as the uh, linebackers go, that's part of what caused them to have those injuries and wear them out before the end of the game. A lot of the game wasn't as bad looking as some of the uh, the game was against the Vikings. I expect them to have a little bit more success than they did, though as far as on the offensive side. Other than that one big run uh, for uh, DeMarco Murray, there wasn't a whole lot going on with the ground game. I thought uh, Derrick Henry looked better than Murray did this game. And it's just a different style of running sometimes works better against different defenses. I don't know about you, man. I held my breath every time Henry got the ball. It just seemed like I was waiting for that one rookie mistake. Like, um, he, he likes to run side to side more than he should, in my opinion. But I mean, the kid's been playing well. I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying like, there's a lot of situations where he's running, uh, to the, towards the sideline to try to cut up field. And these, these veteran DBs and linebackers, they're looking to knock the ball out. And I'm honestly very surprised that he didn't have a fumble in this past game. Cause I was, I was waiting for it. Dude's strong, man. <laughs> he's got That's a, true, but, but if you don't see it coming, the then. Oh, yeah. I know. I'm just saying that, you know, for some of the hits that his arm took, he's got he's got to have just a hell of a grip on that ball. Yeah, he um he does dance a little too much, you know. It, I mean, he had a good game and he he's been impressive, but it's, you know, I want to see him build ahead of steam with that size, um, and just straight murder a uh, a safety or a defensive back. I, he. Quit dancing so much to get north and south. Although sometimes, like we saw last week with that big uh, 41-yard pass catch, sometimes it works out perfect. 
But as you were saying, Murray looked, uh, or Henry looked better than Murray in this game. I actually brought up the stats in this one. If you take the 67-yard run away from um, DeMarco Murray, he averaged two yards per carry. Um, obviously, that big run bounces his um, carries up quite a bit. Henry, on the other hand, averaged 4.4 yards per carry with a long of nine. So a far more consistent running back in this game um, was Henry over Murray. Matthew? What? (laughs) You druggy bitch. (laughs) Where are we? I don't know what happened. I just heard Ryan say, hold on, pausing it. Well, talk about uh, Murray or Henry or something. No, I won't. Fuck it. All right, moving on. All right. We did see Murray kind of play like a Chris Johnson kind of a game, you know, that I think we're all familiar with where he averages that two yards per carry, but he breaks that one huge run. That's a difference maker. But I wanted to talk about this real quick, guys. Speaking of the huge run, and I talked to Matt about it during the game, how difficult was it to watch us break this huge gain down the field, 67 yards, and then not get any points off of it? I almost expect it anymore, man. That, that's how a lot of our drives have been ending lately. Um, I'm actually re-watching right now. I was just telling Glenn. the DeMar- DeMarco was actually 11 for 89 at one point with about six minutes to go in the game. And they just showed the stat on how uh, it was like 33 consecutive games without a 100-yard rusher. It's good to know that they're not even thinking about that because if we really wanted to, you know, DeMarco could have smashed that. Um, but to your, what was your question? <laughs> Matt's a little I'm, high. I'm high, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's something we've grown accustomed to. I, I'm. It's hard to uh, to break off a huge play like that and get nothing. But again, I think if if we can just get the easy plays out of the way, um, build up to something you know bigger potentially. I think as the year goes on, we are going to get a lot better than what you're seeing right now. And I think uh, a lot of the guys by by this year's end, you know, if, if most of the team stays healthy and we can really get some continuity. I think we're going to be a completely different team come next season. I think that we're definitely building and uh, it is going to take some time, but we are getting there. And I think we really got to rely on guys like DeMarco, like I said, and, you know, Delaney, Andre Johnson, use him. I don't think there was a guy on this team that would have caught that ball other than Andre Johnson at the end there. Absolutely not. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, you can't take away the long run from DeMarco. It's, you know, it happened. It's part of the stats. But, you know, to Ryan's point, there just wasn't a lot of running room there. It, I never got the feeling that DeMarco was leaving yards on the field. Um, that's what I'll say about both of these running backs is they're, they're getting the yards that are out there. They're, they're not getting, you know, tackled back in the backfield very much unless just some linebacker blows, blows the play up. I don't feel like they're missing holes. They're not missing cuts. It's just sometimes whenever you're running into eight, nine-man fronts, that's all you can get because we saw a lot of just man coverage on the outside. My biggest deal is someone's got to start beating some coverage. If there's nowhere to throw the ball 
and there's no reason to respect the guys running back there. They're just going to keep loading the box, and that's what this season is going to be, is pounding the rock into the middle of the field and just you know trying to break something along. Well, how, what do you think about Because, honestly, I was – I didn't think they'd do it quite as much, but uh, DeMarco's been a huge pass catcher so far. I mean, right now, like I, I just saw his, la- his latest stat as they're doing this drive down the field, he had six for 49. I mean, I, I figured he'd get, you know, three, maybe four catches a game, but, I mean, we've been using him a lot as a pass catcher. Well, Glenn knows because he got to see him in Oklahoma. He was a really good pass catcher running back in college. You know, this is not anything new for him. We haven't seen a whole lot of it in the NFL, and he was – had his great season with Dallas. They just wanted to run him nonstop. You know that he was their workhorse, but we saw a little bit of it last year in Philadelphia when he was struggling. He was a good pass catcher, but he was an excellent pass catching running back in college as well. It's something that they're going to have to do a lot of because they can't get the ball upfield. So you've got to get guys in space that can make things happen. I mean, he got us that first down on that first drive. You just get he's going to get a lot of catches this year. You know. Matt, Matt read off his stat line there. That's going to be pretty normal for him, I think. And we're going to see more of Henry doing it because Henry can make plays when he catches too. So they're going to have to find your non-traditional receivers to make things happen. Like you know, Delaney led the team in receptions by a huge margin last year because there was no one else to throw the ball to. Well, now you've got Delaney, you've got Murray, you've got Henry. Sharp, he'll get open for you, you know, here and there, but if they put their best guy on him, you can take him out of take him out of the game pretty quick. So I want to see more Andre Johnson. I want to see them just run more plays that get one on ones because you're going to get lots of one on one opportunities. Somebody's got to win. Marcus is going to have to figure out what guys he's going to take those chances with. You'll end up with some more interceptions, which is just going to make the fan base lose their mind. But if you get an interception giving a one-on-one guy a chance to make a good play, that's about as good as you can ask for from a quarterback. There's one more thing I wanted to ask you guys before we move into the defense to, to see if you noticed this, because I picked up on this, is a lot of the, the pooling guard runs that we were running, um, we really got to improve on the blocking on the outside when we pull. Uh, we were like, pull a guard on the outside, or comes around the outside, and we're just not blocking. Well, those are all, it seemed like every single time we ran a pooling play, it was a two-yard loss, it was a one-yard loss, or it was a running back fighting to get a yard. Um, we, we either got to vastly improve the blocking on those plays to make holes, or we need to quit running them. A lot of the times, our, our edge protection is so bad on our running plays, you, know, you, you keep seeing linebackers coming up on the back of our running backs as they're getting to the line. So that's why they're getting one or two yards because they're falling forward as they're getting tackled at the line from behind. Uh, our, our edge just isn't there yet. You know, we have two young tackles. We have young guards. Uh, we, we, our left guard is still really not our left guard. He's just a guy waiting to be replaced next season. We have a new center. Warmack was playing hurt. It just I don't think you can get too fancy with this offensive line. I'd, I'd really rather than just muscle up and drive down the field than pull guys and shift guys around on the line. You, shift the linebacker. I mean, not the linebacker. Shift the tight ends if you want. You know, move the receivers around trying to get mismatches. Just th- this offensive line needs to be a lot more basic than they are. I realize a pulling guard should be really basic, but not for this team right now. 
What would you have to see out of Quentin Spain for him to lock down that spot moving forward? Consistency. Improvement. <laughs> Good play. <laughs> I, I, just, I just want him to consistently play okay. Uh, yeah. His problem is, is he'll crush somebody one play, and then the next play he gets beaten terribly. And I just want consistent play. I want Marcus to stand behind there and not be wondering what's happening over on that left guard spot. It's like, am I about to get annihilated, or is he just uh, you know killed somebody, and now I've got a huge passing lane? Yeah. This is your department. Do you? I'm not familiar. I think it's left, but do you know what side Trey Tola is playing on? Primarily right. Okay. Uh, he's been... Warmax understudy for the most part. Well, I think by season's end, he's going to have his his shot to to hold it and keep keep it. That's uh, what. Uh, I, go ahead. I was going to say that's what I was uh, thinking is, and how crazy do you think this is? Is if we decide, you know, if Warmax not playing, let's go under the assumption that Warmax out for a while. How crazy is it to move Spain to left and put Tretol in it right? I mean, Spain to. Spain's already on the left. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. But <laughs> how crazy is it with, to to plug in Trey Tola and have him uh, play on that right side? Right, right or left side, it doesn't matter really. Uh, he, he's got the same problem. He's going to have to be consistent. Uh, he, he's young, he's aggressive, which is awesome. Uh, it tends to lead to some uh, blown responsibilities, though, because he's too busy crushing this guy to pick up the other guy coming in next to him. He's he's still young. He's going to have struggles with you know people running stunts in front of him. It just if we put him in there, they're going to have to monitor it closely. I think to make sure that putting him in there doesn't disrupt the rest of the offense. I would. I think I would start. I'll ask you this: If Warmax out, it's Klein, uh, Schwinky, and um, and Trey Tola. I would put Klein, and then I think it's a toss up between the next two. How would you put it? I go with Klein based on experience right now. Um, I Klein isn't that good of a player. He's it's just he came from New England, so people are kind of interested in him. It's just he he has experience over there. Maybe he can be consistent for you if you don't ask too much from him. Like I said, I don't want to see as much guard pulling and that kind of thing. I realize it's a power run scheme, and you got to pull the guards and sweep right, sweep left. But this group just doesn't seem to be very good at that yet, and. You know, Matt said earlier, they're going to get a lot better before the end of the season. We're going to watch this team grow this year. They're really young. All they're out here doing is trying to win games however they can and improve every position on the field as much as they can before you know the end of the season. There are guys fighting for their jobs every play right now, uh, especially uh, if Warback misses extended time. That's when you're going to have a chance for Swanky to prove that he belongs on this team still if he can get over there. If Klein can come in and play consistently, he's the first guy I would stick in. But, uh, you know, Tertola, later in the season, if, you know, once it becomes obvious that we're not making the playoffs, I stick Tertola in there as long as he doesn't get uh, Mario to hurt. Then I, then I would stick him in there and get him in some experience and get him ready for next year because odds are he ends up replacing Warmack next year. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm rooting for also at this point. Another thing I noticed real quick in this game is in the first game, you know, we talked about passing the ball too much. We were throwing the ball too much. We passed 70% of the time in that first game, and it dropped to 58% of the time 
uh, in this game, which, you know, 12% is a significant drop in play calling. And um, even though, you know, like we talked about, Murray had a lot of two-yard, one-yard runs, I think it did. You know, we obviously it caused a lot of the injuries that we saw that helped us get the win. But you saw it tire out this defensive front, and and I think obviously it was a big part in us being able to pull out the win at the end. Yeah, it was a good coaching adjustment, and that's something that people need to understand. Is you know, the, the coaches ran one style offense the first game against a particular defense that was strong on both fronts, and it. Just it didn't work out for them because of turnovers. Otherwise, we could have won that game. This game, they came in with a different game plan. They said, this defense is strong up front, but they're thin. And our wide receivers, even against this secondary, aren't going to win us the game. So that they pounded the ball up, and it broke down the other team. And I expect to see more of that as this goes on. Um, I'm really hoping that this unit can gel. I would have liked to have Warmack for this season for this reason alone because he is a big, strong guy, and he can really punish defensive tackles so whoever comes in behind him is going to have to pick up that mantle and you know help wear down the defensive line so that we do get those big yards later and later in the game and just you know just basically go out there and hurt people you know i'm not saying injure them on purpose just you know hurt them leave them bruised leave them so tired that they can't even lift their arms you know by the fourth quarter and that's when we'll win our games we'll just keep it close and then we'll win in the fourth quarter i would just like us to not be behind when we get to the fourth quarter All right, let's move into the defensive side of the ball here. Um, obviously held another, uh, or sorry, obviously held a low-scoring game. You know, an improvement from what we did last week. But um, you know, as we said last week, most of us points came on the defensive side of the ball, really. So for us, only giving up one offensive touchdown in two games now, but still giving up the yardage that Ben don't break kind of defense is really showing that they can be, you know, exactly as prescribed. Ben did not break. Yeah, I think that um, it's hard to say. I honestly think it's almost a little smoking mirrors because we have guys that, in this case, in this last game particularly, uh, I already mentioned Bryce McCain had all those penalties the secondary obviously is our is our weakest uh, position on the team, but I think you know if our front seven can cause and create pressure, it's going to help everybody, and that's you know that's obvious. But I think with uh, with Derek Morgan out and Kevin Dodd coming in, he made a couple plays out there. Arakpo's constantly making plays. Um, we got robbed out of that forced fumble from Casey late in the game. Um, if if we can create pressure like that we're going to be successful and it's going to help the whole defense but we definitely have a weak spot on the team and it's secondary and we have to cover that up as much as we possibly can you know one thing i saw was we had more success when we stopped blitzing uh we we kept getting beat on those long plays is when we had to drop our secondary into man-to-man so we could blitz and it just doesn't work out for this unit uh i think lebeau he did what he could with the guys he's got out there um, one one more thing about the fan base. I have never seen a Hall of Fame safety miss so many tackles in my life. Unfortunately, Dick LeBeau was not on the field to make those tackles, so leave him the fuck alone. <laughs> Did you guys see people on there, you know, saying LeBeau doesn't know what he's doing? He's too old. It's time for him to go. This defense sucks. It's all LeBeau's fault. 
I saw a there's couple, a uh, reason. There's a reason why he got fired from Pittsburgh. I was if I saw that one more time, I think I was going to start hunting people down. <laughs> I'm like, you know, he's not on the field making these tackles. The, the fact that he's got this secondary in position to make these plays that that tells you that he's coaching them pretty well. If I see Stafford dive at somebody's feet one more damn time to make a tackle where he had every chance in the world to wrap him up, I, I'm going to go out there and go kick his ass myself. It probably won't work out for me, but I'm going to try. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I got a few pounds on him. <laughs> that's, that's that's not going to matter, Glenn. <laughs> no, because uh, I have no cardio I think we, right now. <laughs> I think we got a poll question this week. <laughs> yeah. Could Glenn survive Glenn you know, one round with Stafford? <laughs> Actually, if, if we were in a ring, I think I could. Uh, on a, a fight where he could just run around me and just beat my ass, that's not going to work out for me. But, I, um, you know, oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. But, you know, back, back to the actual game. The, the guys were in position to make good uh, plays. Just, you know, we are playing the bend, don't break. We, we've done a good job of denying people the end zone, even though a lot of that had to do with the referees this game. The fact that the guys are diving low, I think is, this is something that's always bugged me, or since the NFL started making such a big deal about helmet-to-helmet contact, is they're so scared of getting fined and getting penalties that everybody goes low because if the guy with the ball lowers his head into you, you still get a penalty, you still get fined. It's a ridiculous thing that the NFL's got to address because that's why guys are going so low is that they don't want to get fined. They don't want to cost their team anything. So they're being taught to go low, which is just going to lead to more leg injuries, lots of terrible missed tackles, and possibly often they don't want to get hurt, you know, tackling a guy in the body. Yeah, I agree, Glenn. That's a, a great point there. And, and one thing I wanted to, to bring up here is I thought the secondary really kind of stepped up. And you said it when we weren't blitzing, we started to have success. We had zero sacks in that first game. We had four on Stafford in this game, and uh, three of those were for sure coverage sacks. They were Stafford had time in the pocket, just couldn't find an opening, and we were able to get to him. And it, they happen when we're not blitzing. Uh, uh, the secondary really stepped up and did a good job of that, and then the pressure, you know, um, started to really get to him. Uh, and Kevin Dodd getting his first sack. Uh, you know, this is a guy, a kid that I was pretty high on coming out of college. And still like a lot. I was really excited to see him get his first sack. And, and I was talking to you, Glenn, and you said that lit a fire under Rakpo's ass because he was a man to be reckoned with from there on out. Yeah, he he was. Uh, that that kind of got the whole team fired up that the rookie got the sack. And it's about time we started getting some sacks. I think we're going to see more of that because, I mean, you're, you're playing, whether people want to admit it or not, an elite-level quarterback. He he may not be the top three guy, but he's he's a good he's a really good quarterback. His receivers really let him down this game. That was the biggest thing to me about why we were so lucky is because the Lions beat themselves as much as anything else. They were dropping balls all over the place, you know, uh, Golden Tate being on my fantasy team, I was watching him. He played terrible. Uh, Marvin Jones could have easily had 200 yards uh, receiving this game, but he couldn't catch the ball either. So when the uh, secondary started, uh, sorry, when the team stopped blitzing and the secondary had a chance to just have the extra man in coverage, that's when our front seven did their job and started getting pressure on the quarterback. A lot of it had to do with just the other team dropping the ball for us. 
Yeah, if Golden Tate makes two of those big catches that he dropped, we we you know, didn't walk out of there with a win. Well, that and if Detroit didn't have to get five tries to get into the end zone, we might not have won. And That's marching true. thirty yards backwards. <laughs> exactly. There were a lot of bad calls in that game, and you mentioned the drop passes, but there were a lot of times when it was good calls, <laughs> like plainly good calls that Detroit shot themselves in the foot. And I saw, I think if this was a cleanly officiated game. <laughs> could, could, could you stop yeah. and swallow what real are, quick? What are you eating? Holy shit. <laughs> I'm dipping. We, we got 15 <laughs> minutes left and you can't talk normal. <laughs> but, uh, fuck you. Where did I start that at? I don't know. Who I was knows? Just listen to you. Truck, truck, truck. Yeah, we weren't listening. Um, you're, you're talking about the drops and shit. Oh, <clears throat> yeah, like I said, there was a, it wasn't a great officiated game by no means, and the drops definitely had an effect on it. But it was also some good, clean calls um, on Detroit where they just shot themselves in the foot. We saw a lot of holding calls. We saw a lot of uh, just bad miscues. There were a, a handful of offensive pass interference calls on this Lions team during this game. Yeah, they, they definitely screwed themselves over. Um since we're running low on time, let's go ahead and move on into the Raiders game. And we, we've already seen these guys uh, once this season. It was in week three, so that was a pretty good shot we got from them. Obviously, they didn't bring out the whole offense. But against uh, the Raiders, I don't think we can count on them making the same uh, mistakes as far as dropping the ball, offensive uh, penalties. They'll probably still hold a little bit. Oh, I agree. Uh, this is going to be a, a tougher matchup. We faced a team week one that was supposed to be a really good running team and not a good passing team. That kind of reversed itself. And then we saw a team that uh, doesn't have a good running game, uh, although they made it look like it was pretty good sometimes um, by Tennessee's missed tackles, and a really good passing team. This is a team that we're going to play that has the ability to do both pretty well. Uh, you know, Latavius Murray's not an elite running back, but he does his job well. This offensive line's good. They have good wide receivers and a good young quarterback. So they can do damage on both sides. So it's it's a little bit more of a test for our offense, um, or for our defense, excuse me. On offense, you look at this team, and they're not playing nearly as good as we thought, I think. Uh, with the additions that they made on the defense, I guess it's not really coming together because they have been very porous on defense, one of the worst defenses in the league right now. They're 30th in points uh, allowed. And um, I think that we could have a field day on them, but we got to consistently uh, be able to finish off drives. I'm actually curious to see how our coaching staff stacks up against uh, Jack Del Rio and his coaching staff. I know that they've been – pretty much playing balls to the wall and that's that's probably because their defense has, has been playing so so shitty but i mean they've been going forward on fourth down uh they had a chance in week one to tie it with the saints they went for two went for the win i want to see how malarkey um and his staff can counter with what they're doing and if they i don't want to be out coached it's one thing to be outplayed but when you get out coached that's that burns me well, I mean, Jack Del Rio has always been a bit of a gambler. He, he's that guy who will make you look stupid a couple times a game because he'll do something like, why would anybody do this? But it worked. I, I think that the playing issue, you know, 
I, I said in my uh, preview of this uh, Lions game that the Lions would probably run for more yards than the Vikings did, despite the fact that Adrian Peters is better than almost every player on the Lions team. And it's because they're, they're li- their running backs are fast, scat-back kind of guys. And our big, heavy uh, defensive front isn't that good at wrapping those guys up because nobody is. That's why there's always a place in the league for those little guys who are really quick. Latavius Murray isn't that guy. We handled him okay the first time. I think that the defensive front will be okay. They're going to have to get some pressure on this uh, Raiders. uh, Sorry. They're going to have to get some pressure on uh, David Carr. It is David Carr. Derek Carr. Damn it. Our our defensive front's going to have to get some pressure on Derek Carr, or he's going to light up this uh, secondary just because – they're more of a patient offense as far as letting their guys get into their routes and taking their shots deep, which we don't defend very well. So it's going to be all about how well the front seven tackles and if they can get pressure all game long instead of just at the end of the game when they've kind of worn down the uh, the opposing front. Yeah, this is an interesting matchup. You know, um, despite what all the quote-unquote Titans fans on the internet think uh, this Titans defense has been one of the better ones in the league so far this year. We're ninth in points allowed. The problem is is we're not scoring a lot. We're 28th in scoring offense where the Raiders are at third right now. So it's kind of that good defense versus good offense kind of a matchup. And then on the other side of the ball, it's a poor offensive unit taking on a poor defense. Um so it's it's a, we fit together well. It's going to be an interesting matchup. Um, they have the Raiders right now at two point favorites for this game. How do you guys think this game ends? Glenn, okay. I, I, you hadn't spoke, spoken in a while, so I didn't know if you were just high or if you wanted to go or what. Um, I was trying to be courteous. Thank you. <laughs> All right, yeah, um, I'm going to pick the Titans to win this one, but this could end up being a shootout. The, the thing that goes on for me is the uh, – I don't know that the Titans can stop this Raiders team from scoring, especially because they are going to take chances. Getting them to the third and uh, long doesn't mean anything. if they, They're just trying to get six yards and go for it on fourth down. They're going to have to find a way to get them off the field. And when our offense has the ball, I really want them to do the same thing that we were all talking about last week. Keep the ball on the ground, grind it up the field, uh, keep the uh, the Raiders' offensive off the field. That's it's kind of just that's the formula for this team: is possess the clock like we did with against the Lions. But we've got to get better play out of our secondary to hold that score down because there's a, there's that possibility that this is like a 35-28 game or something like that where we, we know we can score on them. I believe that they can score on us because our secondary doesn't tackle very well. And so, like I said, it's all about how it goes up front to me. Um, if, if we can make Derek Carr uncomfortable, maybe we can get him to make mistakes. He's still a young guy. He still makes mistakes. He, he's a guy that we can make cost them the game, whereas uh, Matt Stafford wasn't going to do that for us. Yeah, all things go well. You said 35-28. I could see it being, I'm going to say 34-24, to Titans. There's, like you said, Glenn, uh, I agree with a lot of your key points this game. I think the turnover battle 
We're right now negative three on the year. You got to turn over the ball and able to win. We've given up two defensive touchdowns and one offensive touchdown. So obviously, you know, turnovers have been an issue for us so far this year. I think I'm going to pick Tennessee. I don't know if I would have if this game was last week, uh, but the Raiders weren't impressive and very, very susceptible to the play-action pass. You watched that last week. I got to watch a good bit of their game, and Matt Ryan was tearing them apart on play-action. So I think that's something that obviously we are built to do, and especially if we can get Kendall Wright, get another weapon back, I'd like to see us go to that, run some bootlegs, run some play-action and uh, get Mariota some extra time and, and throw the ball down the field and uh, pick on what is a pretty weak secondary uh, in uh, Oakland. And another key, which I think Brandon Williams has now become like the patron saint of, is we need to fill that stand with fans. We need to be the home field on our home field. We need to have the home field advantage when we're playing in Nissan Stadium. So if you're in the area, if you've got the money, go to the game. Let's not have the Raiders, um, you know, fill it with a sea of black in our home uh, stadium. So all that said, though, I think that we're going to win. But I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring uh, than what you guys have it. I'm going to say uh, 24-21 is the final uh, Tennessee able to escape. Um, hopefully it's not that close of a margin because – after I don't know if my heart will stand up after last week's. Yeah, I, I think our defense will give up three t- uh, defensive touchdowns at least this week, passing game. Yeah, I, I don't see how we could. I almost don't see how we could possibly not give up you know touchdowns. This this is going to be a game where we got to score. Uh, the Raider, Raiders do have a good offense, and we we've already seen that they can throw the ball a little bit against us. All right, guys. We got anything else to throw in there? It's time for me to go read a book to my daughter. (laughs) Yeah. All right, right, guys. So we are going to do the poll question this week. Could Glenn take Stafford in a fight? Throw one out there for fun. I I do want to say I've got about 70 pounds on him, and I used to be a kickboxer. (laughs) I also have two really bad knees, a really bad shoulder, to slip disc in my neck. So you take it for what it is. And, I mean, you did refer to Van Damme as Van Damme, so, I mean, for what that's worth. He's a pussy. (laughs) There you go. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to my two awesome co-hosts, Matt and Glenn. And everybody watch the game. If you're there, if you can get to the game, go to the game, and let's kick this Raiders team's ass after that heartbreak of a loss last year. I know Matt can't handle it again. So let's end up winning this one. Tighten up, everybody. Tighten up. Logan Gillespie, see you at the game, bud. There you go. Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook. Facebook.